Pinochet. How you doing, man? I'm good. Good to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just want to start by saying I'm a massive fan of your work. And I've been here six years. Yeah. And I have learned more about Melbourne in <laughs> 20, 30 minutes <laughs> from you more than I've l learned in the past six years. Yeah. And I just want to thank you just for doing that. Oh, no worries. And you're doing an amazing job, may I say. And uh, how did you get into it? Yeah, so for those that are kind of new to my work, what I do yeah. is I make videos and tell stories about Melbourne, yeah. interesting sites, interesting places, and yeah. a bit of the contemporary history. Um, so I'm kind of an educator mm -hmm. by, by background. Yes. So I've been working in and continue to work in universities. Mm -hmm. And we here in Melbourne, like in much of the world, we got pandemic pretty hard. So, um, you know, some of my previous work where I'd like take students on study tours overseas just wasn't an option. So I was like, yeah, why don't we take Melbourne to the world by making some videos? So... It's predominantly Melbourne. It is. That's certainly how it feels, but that was a bit of circumstance. You yeah, know, mm. of course, for the first year or two, that was the you know, only thing available. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to get out into the world and tell stories of interesting places all over. And I've done a bit of that. So I've um, made some videos in the US. I've made some videos in Singapore. Mm. But, yeah, you know, close to home is where a lot will be. So how did it start? What's your background? Can you take us back to where you fell in love with this where you fell in love with the city and how did you get into making these videos and you thought okay i need to start making videos and as you just said let's bring melbourne to the world yeah can you lead us to that story so like origin story sure so my kind of background is in um, engineering that's mm -hmm. what i yeah. studied yes. as my undergrad mm -hmm. and for a while i was leading um some pretty amazing study tours overseas mm -hmm. so i was working for a not-for-profit mm -hmm. called engineers without borders and engineers. i would take Baby engineering students yes. on adventures to Nepal and Vietnam and um, uh, Cambodia. And I just remember seeing these remarkable innovators mm. there in the field, whether it's my uh, buddy in Nepal who's created this brick machine that will um, compress earth and you can make um, bricks out bricks of local out of materials. Yeah. And just these amazing innovators around the world. And I'd be there with, you know, a dozen students thinking – the whole world should be able to see this, not 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 just this small group. But I wasn't a video maker. I wasn't a storyteller. So I didn't really have any ability to, to do that. But just kind of thinking, oh, someone should do this. Someone mm. should do this. And I just know how much effort it is to learn how the video editing software mm. works. Mm. So when I suddenly had this blank space of time um, yeah. to kind of, you know, okay, let's work out what is Final Cut, you know, jumping on YouTube and trying to decipher it myself. Um, having the chance to learn how to tell the stories um, is kind of where it all began. And then, of course, you know, close mm. to home makes sense. And Melbourne is an amazing city. I certainly it love is. it. So being able to, you know, share some things that I would tell my mates about, you know, hey, here's a thing and, you know, yeah. that, look at that, that's kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of, yeah, where it all began. Wow. So you were taking uh, these students to, we could say, excursions, yep. international excursions. So um, could you, would you bring up a story? Do, can you remember a story where you thought that was the best innovation I've seen? I've seen? Uh, was it Nepal or would, would, it, would that be the peak of? Uh, yeah, Nepal's an incredible or? country. There was oh. some really amazing stuff that they did there. Um, a lot of kind of like natural materials. Yes. So using bamboo, using yep. rammed earth to build these um, incredible schools that were, um, you know, really about using local materials and local uh, expertise to, mm. to make it. Mm. Um, that was incredibly inspiring. And just innovation with low resources is something I just find really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, not having a lot, being able to make mm. cool things happen. So, you know, that's kind of my approach to video making. You know, it's all being filmed on a yeah. single camera. There's not, it's not a high-tech operation. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of me yeah. selfie videoing and trying to tell stories about the world. So, um, yeah, that I find pretty inspiring. So it is. I think that's safe to say that necessity is sort of like mother of invention. Indeed. And, and, and I think coming from a very similar place from India, I'm from India, yeah. um, 
we've I've seen lots of stuff um, that 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 goes on like less resources and more often. Um, of an engineering perspective and you see that it's like holy shit that's absolutely very cool yeah what were those moments in melbourne that you've seen that just blew your mind and i'm i'm trying to understand the process how does one go out and find that do you uh, do you do your how how does your research work yeah it's a question that i kind of find a bit hard sometimes (laughs) like you know where do you get your ideas from (laughs) and i just have a billion of them like i just walk around the city and you just see something yeah and the next step and i think this is a step that i make but maybe not everyone else does is just wondering like a what is that thing why does that exist b why 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 (laughs) and you could point to anything you know you could be in the room right here and ask the question like why are these black you know that's a decision someone made yeah that could be any color in the world yeah but they've chosen black yeah and there must be a reason behind it. You know, it could be a very thoughtful reason or it could be a creative reason. It could mm. be a very dull reason. You know, just it's the color that bonds better. But if so, that's yeah. interesting. And I just think that taking that approach to kind of, you know, everything. Like we've got all these bottles, but every single one of them is a cylinder. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the shape yeah. they've got. Yeah. And, you know, there's a logical reason for that. That's the way that you can fit the most volume into mm. the certain amount of stackable places. So I think that's the how. Like I just approach the world with that perspective. And you know, sometimes the answer is quite dull and that's fine and you let yeah. them slide and other ones are a bit more interesting. Uh, what are some of those things? Um, when I started this channel, there was a one or two things that I wanted to be able to see that just can't aren't available to people. Mm-hmm. I had heard that under Federation Square, which is the um, big square that's the public square here in Melbourne, um, that kind of is above the rail line, underneath it there's a like kilometres long labyrinth. And I'm like... That's cool. Mm. I like the idea of that. What What's a labyrinth? A labyrinth is like an underground maze. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. And okay. there's one of them under Fed Square. And <laughs> the functional reason is that um, air conditioning quite uses a lot of power. So the idea is that if you make this massive, um, you know, it's taller than me, two or three metre tall um, labyrinth with these big sharp concrete edges on both sides just maximising surface area mm. and it's kilometres long, up and down, up and down, up and down, the, what happens is that the hot air comes through, like um, through, and by the time it travels all that way, touching all that um, concrete, exactly and it goes up into the into the big atrium, mm-hmm. then it's much cooler. Yeah. So all they need to do is put a little fan on, rather yeah. than like cool all of the air. And the opposite is true that it takes ages to get out, so it stays a lot cooler. So it's a big kind of um, passive sustainable mm. cooling system. And you can't just go down there. You can't just go visit it. But um, I made my channel for a while and, um, yeah. you know, that was on my list yeah. of places I'd love to go. Yeah. And eventually they reached out to me like, hey, did you know that there's a cool labyrinth under Fed Square? Wow. I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> and I would love to come down and film it. And I had a Please chance say to you've go been, do that. you've been there. I Please have indeed. Oh, and it wow. is oh, as impressive as I kind of yeah. had hoped. Yeah, That's amazing. I had no idea. Um, so... That must be very interesting for you. You walk with that engineer's perspective on in Melbourne and you just be like picking up stuff all the time. What do you do on a daily basis? Like, is, do you have a job? I, you, you said you're an educator. I, I do. I have a job. I'm a lecturer at Monash University. Wow. Um, I pressed submit on my PhD about a week ago. So nice. I have been researching over the last few yeah. years. Uh, and that was all around design um, sustainability in cities, as well as outreach and storytelling. So that actually was was part of it. So how do we kind of communicate good and effective mm-hmm. ideas in sustainable, sustainable transport? Um, and, yeah, I'm a lecturer. I, I work at a university. That's my day job. I think you'll probably be the coolest teacher they have. Well, <laughs> no, <I hope> so. <laughs> because I think that you're making people fall in love with engineering, with architecture and, and you know, the city itself. Um, 
how long have you been in Melbourne for? Have, have you spent most of your life in Melbourne? Uh, so I'm not originally from Melbourne. I'm a South Australia kid, a country yeah, kid originally. Yeah. Um, I moved here for work because a lot of not-for-profits are kind of here, and that was my background. Um, how long have I been here? Oh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years now. Um, more than you. Yeah, you um, I've been here for probably about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'm originally from uh, country New South Wales and Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. But I've travelled a lot. Like, that's kind of been my jam. I was running overseas um, programs and, you know, travel was just a big part of my life for a long time. Um, and just genuinely, Melbourne's a world-class city, you know? We're pretty, pretty lucky to call it home. Labyrinth underneath Fed Square. <laughs> okay. What else is there in Melbourne that people aren't aware of and people can actually go and see? Because I think that Labyrinth would be sort of a hard place to get for everybody. But uh, since you're making videos, what are those approachable spots that people go to and have a wow factor? Uh, there's a few, and there's a few that now that I've you know, done this as my thing, I've certainly made a bit more effort to go and find them mm, and yes. uncover some. Uh, one that I didn't know existed until you know, very recently was on the um, shore of St Kilda Beach. There is a model scale size of the solar system. Yes. So there's a sun, which is, you know, two and a half metres tall. Yeah. And then in actual, like, the, the same ratio that's to scale is every other planet in the solar system. So, you know, you walk a, a, you know, 10 or 20 metres away, you can see little Mercury, and a bit further is Venus, there's an, um, Earth about there. And it's kilometres away is where Pluto is. Um, and it's absolutely tiny. It's the cutest thing. It's like a model, like a sculpture in yeah. public. Yeah. And this thing is, like, oh, barely a centimetre across. <clears throat> it's on this little plinth. And um, just the location is incredible because it's along the St Kilda foreshore yeah. and you've kind of you know, got your eyes hunting out for something. So that's a pretty fun walk for people to go do with their, with their families, with their kids, with their dog, with their bike. Um, that's right. a really fun one. Did, did you actually see that or would, did, were you doing your research and then you find, found that out? Oh, I went there to see it. Like I, you know, yeah. I saw a list of interesting things of Norman. Mm. Like, oh, I've yeah. kind of visited that. Um, so I headed down there on my little scooter and filmed a video. Filmed a video. How has our journey been being a well you can call yourself a influencer or a video maker or a content creator how has that journey been for you like was it was it were you did you feel out of touch when you were doing that in the beginning um i was really nervous to you know put yourself out there and record yourself and i you know i'm more comfortable now and i don't think there are very many people that have you know just natural ability to shine on video mm -hmm. like it's a, it's a skill everything's a skill mm, yeah. Well, school is a skill that I think anyone can learn. It's not that hard. You know, it takes time to get more comfortable, more confident. Um, but I certainly put a lot of effort in to start. You know, like my first videos of me recording, just like, how do you make it look good? And just having, because I'm not, tech, I wasn't like had any technology around, um, you know, knowledge about cameras and microphones and stuff. So I started pretty close to zero. Um, so I did a lot of research from the, just how to record something that's, you know, functional. Yeah. And then um, that bit about time about what people want and how do you, Piece how do you approach that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what stacks Melbourne uh, differently than other cities? Yeah. Um, great question. Melbourne is an Australian city. Australian cities stack up incredibly well. I love Adelaide. I think Sydney is a spectacularly beautiful mm -hmm. city. Um, so you know, all this, some of this stuff will apply to all Australian cities that I think is great, and some are uniquely Melbourne. Um, the food culture here is incredible. Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that thing around Melbourne coffee, you probably did used to exist 20 years ago, like Melbourne had more of a distinct coffee scene. But now the entirety of the Australian coffee scene is excellent. Like, you yeah. can get spectacular coffee in rural Australia, like just yeah. in all, like 
the, the, the calibre of the food and, and drink here is, is incredible. The artistic scene, yes, in Melbourne, other cities as well, but Melbourne does it so well. Like the Melbourne Comedy Festival mm-hmm. was on yeah, last month. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I watched 50 or 60 shows or something. Do like, 50 and 60? Just as a fan, I love it. I do I about like, 30 a year, so 50 yeah. and 60 is crazy. Uh, I remember, <laughs> like, the Friday before the, like, before I was finishing up, like, yeah. okay, there's three days left, and I had 13 shows still booked in, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's almost done. We still like, a, a dozen or more shows. Yeah. So, and, like, that... Is an incredible event. They're on similar ones. Like Adelaide Fringe is amazing. I mm. want to get over to Edinburgh to see their comedy festival, Fringe Festival, yeah. more correctly, um, one of these days. But like Melbourne has that, but so many versions of it, you know? Yeah. And there's also the, uh, you know, there are multiple. I remember one day I, I was heading off overseas and just reflecting on how good Melbourne is. And there were like four, not films showing, four mm. film festivals all yeah. showing that weekend. You know? Like, yeah. I don't know, like a French one, a, a, you know, a documentary one or something else. Like, the, they're not individual events. There's a whole mm. festival full mm. of events. So mm. that calibre of culture is something I think is um, incredible. And it's a hard one to come and visit. Like as a tourist, that stuff's often hard to see, how you mm. know what's on, that kind of stuff. But mm. as a like, resident, um, this is the stuff that impacts your daily life. Daily life, and you get to experience that every day. That's right, yeah. How does Melbourne, well, what city do you think has been the forefront of engineering since you have that and you're doing that? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I like the idea of like answering what is a great city and, and how do you make yeah. it. And confusingly, a lot of in inverted commas like technological development makes cities worse. So um, the some of the great cities like the most the places that people love to go like mm. the number one in the world is Venice. People love it like to the point that it's you know barely you know, people live there anymore. It's become almost a tourist destination because it's so spectacular. It is beautiful. It feels amazing. And one of the reasons is there's no cars there. Like the whole place just yeah. feels incredible because yeah. everything is walkable, human size, yeah. the pathways, and you go down here and across this bridge, um, you know, big freeways ruin cities, you know? So like that stuff yeah. that feels like progress makes them worse. Um, so in that sense, I think a lot of the things that make cities great aren't technological. They're trees, they're walkable spaces, they're public spaces, mm. there's areas where a crowd can gather, it's food, it's coffee, it's culture, it's friendship, it's family, mm. it's places to be. So I think engineering often doesn't always make cities better. Would you say engineering and art go hand in hand? And here's my here's why I say this because I saw this saw this tiny post on Instagram and so they had a picture of a pole, like a normal pole or a bollard on the side of the road. Yeah. And they had an old school bollard. Yeah. And it was a beautiful green bollard with mm-hmm. all that artistic uh, designs on the side and had cavalry on it. Would you say engineering and art go hand in hand? Yeah, that, that, that's uh, obviously a question of, of taste. You know, do you, do you want some minimalist simplicity or do you want, you know, yeah. elaborate stuff? And yeah. the current design trend of mm. the moment mm. is minimalism. Mm. Yeah. 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 I made a video this week about how cars don't have colours anymore. Mm. So if you head out on the street, you're probably going to see black, white, silver, silver, yeah, white, black, true. silver, white, yeah. red, black, silver, yeah. you know? Yeah. Whereas I actually saw a photo of um, a city the other day and every car was colourful. There was red, there was green, there was blue, there was yeah. pink, you know, like, and... The current trend is what this room kind of looks like now. Yeah. You know, blank walls with, you know, timbers and metals yeah. and Scandinavian beautiful mm. simplicity. And this stuff will change. There'll be, there'll be you know, trends that, that move come forward and, go, and backwards yeah. and come and go. Um, but, yes, I think designing um, public spaces and public infrastructure is absolutely a place for, for art and design. And um, the, We're doing the Metro Tunnel project in Melbourne here at the moment, which is a big infrastructure project um, you know, connecting rail lines underneath the city. And they've got an art budget. 
to the point mm. where if you walk down past all of the what you know would in other cities just yeah. be you know blocked off red tape yeah. and barriers yeah. and stuff there's art on every single one of those um, hoardings yeah. which is you know part of that process rather than just make the process of the city being under construction feel gross and bad mm. it's a place to commission and showcase local art yeah wow so interesting i didn't really sort of notice notice that it's what i love about your videos is you sort of take the time to to notice these things or as people who are going about their daily lives in the city, like getting to work, getting from work or going to, you know, to a social event, they're too busy to sort of really take the time out of their their day to really notice these things. And I love that you sort of, you're observant. Does that go hand in hand with being an engineer? Well, I think I talk about stuff that I know about. So, yeah, you know, I, I, sure, I do the same thing about a million other topics. You know, I would navigate yeah. the world and not making a single observation about fashion. Yeah. Whereas if someone did what I did through the perspectives of fashion, mm -hmm. they could say, okay, look, here's what you know, men are wearing these days mm -hmm. and the trends used to be like this and they're now like this and you know, these colours are in and these aren't. So I think anyone could do it yeah. from their own perspective. Because yeah. everyone sees the things that they're interested in, what they know about. I'm not a plant guy. I couldn't tell you what the plants are, you know, why things <laughs> yeah. are being put in and why they're yeah. not. Yeah. So I talk about design engineering because that's my background. Um, but yeah, I think people like it because they can see it. Yeah, you know, like they can actually walk by these things that I talk and appreciate about it. and go, "Oh, yeah, I've and actually, seen that. Yeah. Didn't know what it was. Now I know what it is." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, have you always been that person since the beginning um, of your childhood, who you grew up, and did your environment around you influence you, who you are today in design? What was those? peak moments when you realize this was my passion this is what i want to do i love design and i love engineering yeah i think um travel was a big one for me mm -hmm. and that's because if you've lived a lot in one context whether that's one city or one country you don't know what is normal you don't know what is universal and you mm -hmm. don't know what is distinct to that area mm -hmm. so i'll give you an example i grew up in south australia and there they have a thing called stobie poles you know what a stobie pole is no i don't so, so in South Australia, historically, they didn't have trees. Like, it's not a place that's got big, big functional forests. It's mm. just not. So they had to build, um, you know, telegraph and power poles. So what they did is they got um, railway tracks and then put um, two of them together and filled it with concrete. Mm. And that became the pole. So across mm. South Australia, basically as soon as you enter South Australia, the entirety of Adelaide, they're the poles you see. They're not wood things that you see in much of the world, including here in Victoria. There's these things. They're called Stobie poles after the guy that invented them, Stobie. Thomas Stobie, I think his name was. Um, and I just thought that was the name of what poles were called because, like, that's what every pole yeah, is called. Yeah, like, yeah. I my whole life, thinking, what's that pole? It's Stobie pole. <laughs> and you think that that's normal, and it is, but only for this tiny part of the world. So then you leave it and you call it a Stobie pole in Victoria. Like, that's not what it's called. And everyone laughs at you once. You're like, oh, now I've learned something. And... That's why I think travel is so good for this, because it gives you the perspective of what is normal, what is the same, what could be different, and it kind of lets you know what changes could be made. Mm. Because, mm. you know, some things are kind of universal. There's not a you know, place in the world that doesn't benefit from electricity. You know, we all love our families and want the best for our kids. That's universal. Yeah. Some things aren't, you know. Yeah. You know knowing the difference is, is hard to know. True, true. Do you know who designed Adelaide? Do you know the person who designed Adelaide? Uh, yep, Colonel William Light was his name. Wow. There's a uh, I used to live at a um, residential college there called Aquinas, and just out front was the Surveyor General. He's got his finger pointed out, looking over the city of Adelaide. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big design feature of Adelaide is that the city is surrounded by parklands. 
Mm. So in you know, many cities, it goes from you know, heart of the city to other suburbs. In, in Adelaide, there's a ring around it with, with green spaces, and that was the innovative design. Someone said that the city I'm from, which is Chandigarh, was designed by Lee Kabuzier, and someone said that that Adelaide is designed by the same person. Which which city is it? It's Chandigarh. It's north yeah. of India. It's yeah. Punjab, yeah. and the city is called Chandigarh, yeah. and uh, it's designed by Lee Kabuzier. Is I think he was a French architect, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And uh, someone said that it was designed by the same person, Adelaide, because I I, I questioned that because I was like, man, the 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 moment I the first time I landed was in Adelaide. Yeah. I was like, this is ridiculously same yeah. to where I come from. It, I literally was like, the same, same spot, yeah. same yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there it, are, it could have been because like history always does that thing where there wasn't clearly wasn't one person who designed yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah. The bloke I'm talking about was the survey general. I'm sure he signed off on it. But like everything in design and engineering, it's not one yeah. person. You know, who do you employ? So, that's right. Like who's <laughs> doing the actual work? Yeah. You know, yeah. someone's claiming all the credit. Yeah. But it's often just one dude. Um, yeah. How are you planning to take your professional career of as a lecturer and you're doing a PhD and versus you being a content creator and I think that's your passion your hobby as well how does how do does these two things go hand in hand for you as a, as a, as a daily life like yeah, yeah. must take a lot of your work I'm guessing you're you're walking with a peak design bag I noticed that <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it has a camera a camera in there and uh, you, you're always ready to, uh, you know, just take flip your camera out and uh, make a video. Is that your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, so, like, I'm trying to combine the two. Like, I'm mm. part of the, my, my role at the university is to, to teach about um, video storytelling and, and the like. So they're certainly not separate things. They, I'm trying mm. to make sure that they work well together. Um, and research, for example, if it just gets, you know, developed and put in an academic journal, hidden behind a paywall, then, you know, the data shows that not many people read it, you know, like, mm. whereas I read a um, piece for The Age, uh, an opinion piece this week about transport design and those mega trucks that are taking over the city, those yeah. um, rams and the, yeah. uh, the like, and that's, I don't know, been seen uh, hundreds of thousands to millions of, of times, you know, like it's had a yeah. thousand comments on the, yeah. on the page itself. So doing public communication through video, through the media, um, is a way for your ideas and your research to, to reach bigger people. So I actually think they're really quite complimentary. Yeah. How did you feel about that? How long, you, can I ask how long you've been doing that, uh, making videos for? Since May, 2020. May, 2020. So about, about three about years. Three years. Yeah. That's good. So how has the response of the public and now what, what does that mean to you? Does that make you want to do more of that? Yeah. I, I've been really pleasantly surprised how, how well it's been received on you know, all the various platforms. Um, I think why is that people like learning new stuff mm. and the number of people that come up and say, oh, you told me about this, now tell everyone, yeah. I can't walk by that thing <laughs> yeah. without going, da, da, da. Yeah. you know, my partner finds it so annoying and like, <laughs> that's, that's what I want. That's, yeah. like, it's, it's a bit viral in the sense, like not even in the like online sense, but just in the sense that it's the stuff that people want to share. Um, I think people, including myself, love seeing your home on screen. Mm. And that includes yeah. social media screens. Yeah. I think that one of my one of my yeah. theories is that pretty much every city in the world, outside of maybe uh, maybe Los Angeles, maybe New York, maybe a bit of London, and maybe some Bollywood um, you know, cities, that it's not represented very much on the screen. Mm. Like Australia's yeah. biggest city is now Melbourne, and yeah. it's rare to see a TV show set in Melbourne. It is, and I always yeah. feel joy when it's happening. Like, yeah. oh, I know that place. I've been there. Yeah, you know? and mine is the social media version of that, like of, mm. of, of being able to go. This like when I'm not when I'm talking about a thing, a design thing, it's not like 
so the people in Melbourne really like it. So I think that that's been a really positive thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's been lots of kind of ways that that's responded positively, both individuals saying, hey, I like your stuff through the you know, other opportunities, which has been cool. If you were to be the mayor of the city, <laughs> yeah. what changes would you make? Um, I would. Oh, I've got an idea. I've got, I've got a list. I <laughs> just yes, take yeah, yeah. yeah. it. Melbourne's a great city. Um, and making sure it just keeps being great is kind of what the high level goal would be. Um, as the city gets bigger, the physical area doesn't get bigger of like the, like mm, the bit course. right in the city. The, the CBD hasn't grown in 150 years. Yeah. Where does it grow to? So I would really make that as strong as it could be. So some things I would do is just make it more of a green space, a beautiful place to be, to travel into, to spend your money, to spend your time. Mm. So I would probably pedestrianise the little streets, the, those um, small ones mm-hmm. that are really bad at moving traffic. You know, they're, they're terribly slow. They don't really work very well. So turning them into like an urban green oasis would be amazing. Um, and there are good examples of that around the world. I would, the cost of living crisis and um, climate crisis, I'd address that by having in every direction, a really great cycleway, um, electric vehicle, like for, you know, for things mm-hmm. like um, e-scooters and e-bikes and the like, and you get heaps more people on bikes. If you could, if you could ride from um, Brunswick to the CBD, just without ever really interacting with a car, the number of families and kids yeah. that would safely head in would, would be incredible. I'd certainly do that. And one of my ideas that um, I'd love to see is more street food. You know, I like the idea of food yes. trucks in more places. Yes. During COVID, we had a bit yeah. of that turning, um, uh, you know, car parks into yeah. eating spaces. Yeah. So good. Um, so more of that and more just kind of, you know. Best food. Best like, food. Best food. Best food. Best food you'll ever find on a truck. There's something about, something, it, I can't find a word, I can't find the right word, but it's something very interesting and very um, weird about going to a truck and getting a food. And it, the whole experience is awesome. So when I asked you that what stacks Melbourne um, against all the other cities, I wanted to know in terms of an engineering perspective, what city do you think was built the best way a city could have been built? And can I ask, um, and you would know to answer to this, what's the oldest city uh, right now in, in Australia? So some more kind of technical reasons why I think Melbourne works great is we've still got a, we've got one of the biggest light rail systems in the world. Mm. Um, the tram network is, is huge. And if there was a mistake that humanity made, it was ripping them up. They used to be everywhere. Every city used to have a fantastic light rail. Not every, but, but many, 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 many cities. Every Australian city, every American city had a great light rail system. And one of the big mistakes was ripping them up and just saying, look, cars are the future. And they're not, you know. And mm. so and Melbourne just didn't get rid of it. So we've still got it. It's the, amazing. And all yeah. these other cities are now trying to put them back and they're expensive to put in now. The one thing I miss about Sydney mm. is the monorail. Oh, yeah. They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the monorail. When I was a monorail. The, the monorail is just... Uh, like a tram? Yeah, 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 except... Off the ground? Yeah, off the ground. Yeah, Through the sky. Through the sky. Really? Yeah. yeah. It had that right it, it did for Jeez, a very that. long time and uh, went out years ago. But like a... Like a... Uh, like an over... Uh, yeah. Like a... What do you call it? Um, like a freeway on, on top and, and then just trains go by. It's like a metro, is that...? Well, it's just a single route. Like it's just a single route. And you'd yeah. have like kind of one pod worth of... Oh, like things. a gondolas. Is that yeah. what you go? Oh, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a railway train? Yeah, yeah. There's this cultural yeah. barrier happening yeah. here, yeah. Man, I need, <laughs> so much I need to learn about these cities. I'm, I'm still new. Um, what... Can you please bring in more... I hate, I hate keep asking this question. Can you please bring in more interesting things about Melbourne that you haven't... 
um, put out there yet, and you use you have them in, in my in my back pocket. What's coming up on the yeah. list? Um, one that I'm sure people will love in on the Melbourne trams. If you sit near the front, there are the, you can see like right next to there. There's these big tubs of sand, and there's kind of like you can see a plastic thing showing how much sand yeah. is in the tram still. Mm-hmm. And that's one that people just always say, like, what is that about? What is the sand for? And the answer is, is that because the um, trams need a bit of friction to mm. break and to, to even move, you know, and yeah. that can get a bit slick if it's a bit wet or if you're going up a hill and they're a bit heavy, you know, you need an extra bit of grip. Mm. And they've literally got a button in the front, which is the drop sand button, and it puts your sand onto the tracks in front of the wheel so it gets extra bit of grip to, to go yeah. up. So it, it's basically to weigh it down a little bit? No, no, it's to push onto the tracks so you increase the friction, friction between the friends. wheels and the and the rails. So it gets more grip yeah. as it's going uphill. So yeah. if you look if you look um, on, generally on hills on, on the tram lines, you'll often see sand on the, on the yeah. thing, that's what it's for. And that's, that's a classic example of that thing that many people have noticed. Or if they haven't noticed, they'll notice it now yeah, when yeah, they're sitting yeah. in the front of a train. <laughs> yeah. And because I will point out, they'll know what to look for. And it's that thing that I think will do incredibly well because people don't know about it or they, they, they've wondered about it or now they'll know it. Or now, now every time they're sitting on a train with a friend they haven't spoken to, they'll be like, do you know what that's for? Yeah. Okay, that's for. <laughs> that's, so I, that, that, that's a classic video, that's a, a style that I think yeah. mine works quite well. And you figure out, uh, like, a neat, I think... In, in this day and age, there's so much out there that it's hard to cut through fog. And But your content and what you're doing, educating people about just one specific city and just the, the those wow factors. And have you seen that moment? Is that that it's so interesting that it, it cuts through everything and like, okay, this is this is very interesting. And you found you finally found your niche. I think it's amazing, man. Yeah, I think I'd love to see more people do it. You know, there's like everyone knows yeah. some stuff, you know, about yeah. the world, and I'd love if more people shared what they know about because this is what's great about social media, you know, about making a TikTok, mm. making a YouTube video, is that anyone can do it, and mm. yeah, more voices is better. Are you are you a one man person uh, right now, or do you have a team that works with you? I um, work with an editor for the yeah. YouTube videos because they're yeah. a bit more higher production yeah. quality, and I've um, recently got some funding from Screen Australia to make a higher production, high quality web series. So mm. I'm working on that at the moment. That's It'll have really some exciting. Yeah, yeah. small collaborators and higher production values. And it's going to be all about design. And what I'm going to add to this series, rather than what I have been doing at the moment, a lot of my work is kind of explainer. Like, mm. here is a thing. I'll tell you yes. about it. Whereas the new series will also add a bit of build to the whole thing um, in a bit of a quirky mm. way. So we're going to make stuff, not we'll just talk stuff. about stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it will be like a like a documentary style. Like documentary a... style, yeah, but a bit silly and quirky. So mm-hmm. a bit of you know Mythbusters kind of vibe. So you're making stuff but in a bit of a in a, in a really cheek entertaining way, way as that's well. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the stuff we lean to designed for, you know, really yeah, interesting approaches. One so, of my favorite oh sorry. No, go on. One of my favourite videos of yours was um the escalators at Parliament Station, yeah. was it? Oh can you can, can you talk about bit about that yeah so if you haven't um been to melbourne there's one station called parliament station and the escalators are or were they've just built some some more in australia the longest in australia or longest in the southern hemisphere as mm-hmm. we like to claim around here um and people hate them people hate yeah. these elevators yes. they, they really they dislike them. Station. <laughs> statistically they are dangerous yeah. you know it's dangerous for modern life stuff um and there are just a lot of falls but it's not just the distance that makes mm. them a bit a bit dangerous. What happens is that the um, roof goes down with them. So it kind of feels like you're in a tunnel. Like it's not open. Like it's not like you look straight and you can see, mm. see it all. And because of that, it kind of, your body just kind of feels naturally to move yeah. forward a little bit to yeah. kind of like align. Perspective. With the thing. Is it a visual perspective? Yeah. yeah. And 
one of the issues with it is that there's not many like um, kind of reference points to see like where is what is up, what is down, what is the horizon because all the lines are a bit a bit off. So people sometimes fall, and particularly elderly people, and you know, so yeah. there are some injuries, and there's I think there's even been a death or two. Um, so yeah, the design of that is an example of something that I you know kind of kind of explain and show. And the number of comments people are like, oh my god, I thought I was going crazy. Well, yeah, I, I literally yeah. don't get off the train at this station. Same, same here. Yeah, I've always hated that station. Yeah, and that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were to change that, what would you have done differently? Um, I probably wouldn't have. Like, I, I would have made the same mistake. They would have, I would have thought about this. <laughs> yeah, in such yeah, a sense, yeah, I'll yeah. be honest. I'll, I'll be honest there. Uh, what they could do and what they have done a bit of is um, adding like uh, pictures all the way down to, to mm. give you a bit of a bit of context yeah. um, you know making the other options available like some people didn't know there was an elevator there as well but that is that is an option people can do mm. um, you know I think they're doing most of the right things um, but yeah, yeah it's a trick tr- to back engineer yeah, <laughs> build an entire <laughs> rail system around it yeah with electric cars coming in yeah. um, what's your perspective on EVs yeah, so they are EVs are the best type of car, and mm. cars are the worst type of transport. So that's kind of my my approach. Okay, for, for cities, I'm talking about. Mm, yeah. um, they're great between between cities. Um, there's there's a ge- there's a geometry problem. As I said, the the CBD, the center of the city, has not changed in size mm-hmm. in 150 years. But the population of Melbourne, we're hitting five million. million. Yeah. You cannot jam more EVs in. They physically don't mm-hmm. fit. Yeah. So because of that, um, they're a pretty poor way to design a city. Um, to, to like drive like if, if the concept is I live in, in a, a place far away and I've got to end up my, my trip in the city they're a really poor option like they physically don't don't fit um, so they're you know as far as the technology goes they're, they're, they're good for cl- um, climate emissions they're, they're not great for other type of emissions because they're so heavy they produce a lot of um, dust from from tires it's funny like when you think about it like you buy a tire and they're like that and they're mm-hmm. brand new and then by the time you replace them they're like that yeah. all of that goes somewhere like that yeah. that rubber gets chucked out into the CBD and, and EVs are not great at them because they're a bit heavy. Um, so, yeah, my preference would be the best EVs are light EVs. Electric scooters, electric bikes, because they don't take up the space, they're great for health, mm. they're active mobility, and you can jam as many as you want into the city. There's no limit to the number of bikes you can fit into this Melbourne CBD. Mm. Whereas, um, yeah, two-ton two EVs, uh, not, the, not the best option. Not the best option, yeah. Um, do you think that this these cities... Uh, would benefit from two wheelers let's say uh, like you know electric bikes yeah. um or like I've, I've seen that in south asian countries there are a lot of two wheelers I, I don't know if you've ever been to one uh you've been to nepal so you must have seen a lot of two wheelers than uh than cars do, do you mean scooters or yeah scooters, scooters like two wheelers yeah. Yeah. yeah scooters or bikes anything yeah do you think the city would benefit from or we can do that in melbourne or is that even a possibility absolutely so some cities in the world like every city is going through this that, that were built and there's just too many people now because people love cities because cities are great they're lively they're fun yeah. people love to live here like people move you know like people keep moving to melbourne because it's great and that just means that you have to adapt Mm. so london for example has a massive congestion charge because they just can't fit any more cars into the city um other cities um are introducing minimum parking of 50 euros in the hague Mm. to just park your car no matter how long one minute all day 50 euros because they just make life worse they don't they're they're unfair you know I, i caught a tram here and there would have been i don't know more than 100 people on it Mm. Oh, with one little tram. Yeah. If that was a hundred different cars, cars. like that, yes. what an awful way to move things. Mm. Um, so, so, so other cities that are doing incredibly well, Paris and London, they're just seeing this massive upsurge in bikes by making cycling safe. 
So um, there's a researcher at Monash University here, and they say the number of potential cyclists is around 70 or 80%. That if the trip is short enough and the roads are safe enough, that's the big one, Mm. then people will rather ride a bike, to be honest. Free parking, no petrol cost, you know, it's safe and you get some exercise. If the weather's good and the ride is safe and it's not too far, people would much rather ride a bike. Much rather buy a bike. It's by convenience, yeah. yeah. So this is one for, for cities to put in the infrastructure, to say... Quality, safe, separated bike lanes, and people will come in big numbers. Yeah, 100%. You, we, we just talked about traveling in the beginning. Uh, what cities you've traveled uh, to and, you've, and they've, uh, they've shocked you in, in terms of engineering and what they've done to back home here? Shocked in a good way or a bad way? In, in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> yeah. Tell us some stories. Uh, I, one, of my, one of my hobbies, I, I like travel. I like sustainable travel. I... Um, did you ever read the Guinness Book of Records as a kid? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did as well, but I just didn't grow out of it. That's the difference. <laughs> so I wanted to set a world record, and I love cities, I love sustainability, I love sustainable transport. So I went to China to set the world record for the, far, for the greatest distance travelled on train in 24 hours. Wow. And as far as technology goes, they're amazing, because in the yeah. year 2006, they had zero kilometres of fast rail, mm. and they've now got more than the rest of the world combined. So they have connected their, maybe... Entire country, probably, you could say entire country. They're getting their entire country by rail and fast rail. So I um, spent a day travelling up and down and across China. Um, did you get the world record? I did indeed. 4,800 kilometres of train in a day. Wow. Yeah. 300 <laughs> plus k's an hour. That's amazing technology. Yeah. I saw this, <laughs> uh, saw this clip. Japanese railway system. Um, it was was designed. Um, so what they did was they found this fungi called mycelium. They put it on a uh, map of Japan. Uh, that I think it was Tokyo. I could be wrong. And they started feeding. So it's basically like a microbial fungi. It yeah. spreads. I don't know if you've seen mycelium uh, in real life. Yeah. Um, so they feed mycelium uh, grains or oats. And mycelium found the best way to approach the feed, and that's how they built the railway station. Is that is that true? I don't know that exact story, <laughs> but the the concept works. Like, yes, you can fill it with. Um, I, I saw a thing recently that they used did the same, same thing with water, where you put a maze in and you start filling it with water, and it may find a solution to, to mm. connect the thing. So it would probably work. Sure. Wow. Yes. Yeah. What an amazing uh, way to find out the best networks. Um, so what's what's next for you in terms of what you're doing right now? Um, so you said you're doing a P, uh, you submitted your PhD. And I did. Can you talk about that, what, what the PhD is in? Sure. So that was that thing I was talking about, sustainable transport design. Mm-hmm. I, was, um, I built a few different um, sustainable vehicles, um, small, small vehicles. So electric solar-powered electric scooters. We built a solar e-bike. I built a little microelectric vehicle, um, mm-hmm. so kind of human-sized, like one, one person. Um, and then outreach and storytelling. How do you use these projects to have conversations to do you know, outreach? A bit of video. Uh, one project that was pretty fun is that for World Bicycle Day, which is um, in June, we got a four-wheel, four-person bike, mm-hmm. um, invited uh, a couple of friends of mine, um, Nate from the ABC um, Morning Weather, um, ABC yep. News Breakfast, put him on the bike, put all of us on the bike and we rode around and set a world record for the fastest 10 kilometers on a quadricycle, a oh. deeply uncompetitive record. Um, <laughs> but it was a chance to talk about cycling, to talk yeah, about yeah. cycling infrastructure. That's kind of what my project was about, using um, vehicle design meets outreach and storytelling 
for some kind of cause. Um, yeah, it was a great, great project. I've got a one question before, uh, before we wrap this up. Well, AI is very um, evident these days. Have you played around with it? And what are your thoughts with it? Do you think that it's going to be good for us? Do you think it's going to be bad for us? And how does that affect the field of engineering? Yeah, um, some parts of it I really like. The auto captioning is incredible. Like the ability mm. to just make a video press, mm. give me the transcript and just be able to find stuff. Like I love that. Haven't done too much particularly with like generative AI where it kind of creates mm. for you. I think that... It'll be a tool. It'll be a tool. It'll I don't know. Tool. I'm sure some things, there'll be a few use cases mm. we haven't discovered yet that'll be more powerful than we thought. Mm. There'll be a lot of areas where the hype just doesn't live up to it. That's my that's my prediction. I guess like most most or many things. It's a scary uh, tool. It's a scary tool because there's a massive writer's strike happening right now in America. Um, film and TV writers have gone on strike because one of the things they're worried about, uh, AI-generated scripts yeah. <laughs> basically taking their work away and as a well you know amateur writer myself i'm it's a it's a scary possibility as yeah. well that will sort of take away from from creatives yeah yeah but i think technology has always been an enabler um than you know what you what you make of it so as 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 you said like if it's a tool then you know we i think it, it's it's a great tool in 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 general if you if you look at it but then again, it's it's much more powerful than what we can see right now. So, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I think a lot of my stuff is around idea, mm. and I I just would struggle to see how it would because you know it's 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 a, it's a we're guessing what the next word is. That's how the mm. system works. You know, yeah. like it's a it's a word tool. What well, is the yeah. next word that makes sense in this sentence? Yeah. And something that I think my stuff does is unearth stuff that's not there that people haven't written about or, yeah. or the like. So. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be strong at that idea generation, at mm. least in the immediate term. Because I've seen some data that says that it, that like the the word set that it's got is almost hitting the limit of it. Like mm. like there just aren't any more words to jam into it. So it may get stronger, but the data set doesn't get bigger. Yeah. And I think over time the data set might get worse because if it's pulling in AI generated stuff, it's just kind of a feedback loop. Like of, a, yeah, you know, rinse like it's and, not actually yeah. gaining mm. a lot more. So that's something to note. Because um, you know, like a lot of websites are written for SEO as well that aren't very good. And again, to go back to travel, if you type in best stuff in City X, you get the same 10 things again and again and again and again and again because people that write those articles are based on a different article, which based on a different article. So if AI is trying to create that top 10 list of things to do in Australia, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Maybe it'll say Sydney yeah. Opera House, it'll say this. Mm -hmm. That stuff's not hard. It's been written a million times. Yeah. Yeah. But what it would struggle to do now, maybe in the future, I, would, I don't see why not, why it would be hard if no one's ever written about it, is to unearth a story which doesn't exist. You know, like how would it know that there's an interesting um, graffiti artist making incredible art down on, down on this street if yeah. no one's ever written about it, yeah. you know? So yeah. and that's stuff I would rather do. So I'm not too concerned about that type of yeah. stuff in the immediate term. I don't think there's anything right now I've seen that compares to what you're putting out there because it's much different and it's very... In well, it's also very specific Very specific, as well. yeah. yeah. But uh, I think that's all the questions I had for you, man. And uh, It's Dan, been very educational. It's been... A Great, great one, yeah. Great one, and uh, I just really appreciate you coming here and taking your time out on, on Mother's Day. I wish we knew it was Mother's Day before. <laughs> Shout out to all of our moms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to all of our moms, and uh, thank you so much for being again. Real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys.